Good morning, uh, church family. Uh, sorry that I can't be here in person. Um, I've been battling a sickness all week, um, and I'm still a little under the weather. And with the nature of things in the world, I'm not trying to get everybody sick, so can't be here in person. I was a little excited to um, actually preach to people uh, a lot of faces in the seats, because last time I preached was December 26th, Boxing Day, and I think including people that were paid to be here volunteers, and my parents who don't even come to this church. I think we had about 10 people um, in attendance. So I was really excited to preach to more than 10 people. But um, God has put something on my heart, and I'm going to preach it today. And I hope it, um, it has some value and encouragement to you um, this week. So um, I need you to imagine with me for a second a really close friend or family member. So say you're ride or die. Um, somebody that you can call at the drop of a hat, they show up when it counts, you show up for them, they love you, you love them, Um, you have a great relationship. Now, imagine something horrible happens to this person. Maybe it's a family trauma, maybe they just went through a tough breakup. What is your default reaction? You do something, right? You you pick up the phone, you call them, you go to their doorstep, you uh, take them out for coffee, you drop off food, or sometimes even help out financially when something um, horrible happens in the family. Because, driven by love, action is your default reaction. Um, your actions reflect love, and the two are inseparable. Um, when you love somebody, you will act on their behalf. And sadly, I think many people profess love in our world, um, but don't actually put it into action. And I think that is rampant um, within Christianity and the church. So we say that we worship a God that is love. God is love. It's a famous verse, right? But we fail to show up as a church, as a Christian um, family, we fail to show up and show that action when it matters. So um, what are Christians known for? Um, When I was preparing for this talk, I posted on my Instagram um, story, I just posted a question box, and I have a you know, a humble 1,100 followers, maybe it's 1,097 or something now, but I actually had 700 people um, answer this question, and I would say out of the 700 people, probably 99% of them weren't Christian, and three words came up. Um, I just asked, what's the first thing you think of um, when you think of Christians? And three words um, came up, very, very common, um, and they were unloving, hypocritical, and judgmental. Um, And maybe some of these responses are biased, or maybe they're influenced by something, but I think there's a real problem here, um, because how can social media, how can news outlets, how can regular, everyday people see us as unloving if we follow a a loving God? Um, And like I said before, I think it's because many people profess love within the Christian church, but we fail to attach it to action. Um, And scripture says that this isn't true love at all. Love without action is just good intention. Um, So when Jesus was confronted with the question about loving your neighbor, he told a parable that proves this point. Love is not merely a feeling. Love is an action. Um, So I want to read a story, a parable in Luke chapter 10. And it's a pretty famous parable. We all know it, um, especially if you grew up in church. It's called the Good Samaritan. So we're not breaking any new ground. Um, but I, I still think it's an encouragement and a warning to us, even at where, um, at our time 
in history as Christians. So I want to start Luke chapter 10, um, starting in verse 25. And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance a priest was going down on the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion, and came to him and bandaged, him, bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. Now I've been, um, I've been going through the Gospel of Luke and his sequel, the book of Acts, for a long time, and I've been impacted greatly. And um, if you're in youth group, Sorry that you have to listen to another Good Samaritan um, preach, but this story has really impacted me um, greatly lately, especially with the state of the world. Um, so in our culture today, Good Samaritan is a pretty common term. You know, we see on TV a stranger assists someone in need, and then the news is like, a Good Samaritan helps. Um, but if we go back in history to the time of Jesus, um, there was no such thing as a Good Samaritan. Samaritans were half Jew half Gentile. So after the Assyrian captivity of northern Israel, um, some Jews intermarried with the Assyrians, and these were the Samaritans. Um, they most likely would have worshipped other gods, um, and if they did worship God, they would have worshipped him differently. Um, they would have had different culture than the Jews. They would have been seen as vastly different from the Jews. And this wasn't a mutual disagreement or mutual dislike. Um, this was an actual race war. So racism towards Samaritans was tolerated and accepted. Um, and we know that they had no dealings with the Jews um, from Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well. We see that in John um, chapter 4, verse 9. And history tells us that they were hated. Um, so Samaritans were a hated group of people. Uh, theologian Kenneth L. Barker, um, he's one of the authors of the Expository Bible Commentary, he puts it this way, to a Jew, there was no such thing as a good Samaritan. Um, now I need to stop and think about this for a second. Not only is Jesus referencing a Samaritan, but he is elevating a Samaritan to be the hero of this story. Um, and this bold decision was intentional because a priest and a Levite would have been pillars of a Jewish community, of Jewish society, um, and they failed to mirror God-honoring love, but the Samaritan did not. Um, everyone assumed that they would be the heroes, the priest and the Levite, but Jesus flips the script. A Samaritan, a victim of racism and hate, embodied the love of God. So what does this story tell us? Um, 
I think this, if you get anything from my sermon today, it's, it's this. If we want to live like Jesus, we need to love like Jesus. If we want to live like Jesus, we need to love like Jesus. So what does loving like Jesus look like? Um, it's easier said than done, but this parable is des- designed to describe the nature of Christian love. So after Jesus proclaimed, um, love your neighbor, the man decided to ask Jesus, who is my neighbor? And um, he was trying to figure out, this man, this lawyer was trying to figure out who, who he could love and who he could not love, who he could um, ignore, you know, who does he have to love? And Jesus, in classic Jesus style, um, he kind of puts him in his place with this parable, but he's essentially saying, instead of worrying about who you need to love, you need to ask yourself, how can I be a better neighbor to everyone I come in contact with? Um, everyone listening to this story would have expected it to play out like this. Um, a Jewish man helps a lowly Samaritan. That's true love. Um, but Jesus throws in this twist and suggests that a Samaritan might be closer to the heart of God than a Jewish priest and a Levite. Um, so what does it look like to love like Jesus? It's loving the outcasts of society. Love the people that the world hates. Love the people that culture deems unlovable. Um, love the people that the world loves to hate. That's what it looks like to love like Jesus. And I could get up here and say that all I want, but that's way harder said than done. Um, but we see throughout all the Gospels in Jesus' life, Jesus shared meals and conversation with sinners, outcasts, marginalized people in society. Why? Because the love of God moved through him. And what was the proof of the Samaritan's love and compassion? It was his actual action. Not his good intentions, not his good vibes, or his public prayers. Love and compassion should lead to action. And living like Jesus, I think, is also something crazy that... uh, I think to live like Jesus, we need to love like Jesus. But how do we live like Jesus? Is it just reading our Bible every day? Um, Obviously, that's a huge thing. I would encourage everyone to do that. But I think there's more to it than that. There's way more to it than that. Jesus was concerned that religious people had become famous for their judgment and superiority, um, which sounds kind of similar to what people thought of Christians on my Instagram um, question box. We haven't changed a whole lot after all these years. And I think as we grow in our faith, as we grow closer to Jesus, we should start to see things differently. Um, It's easy to become laser-focused on ourselves, our opinions, what we need, what we want, because that's what culture teaches us. And that's the battle that we fight every day in our culture, to be solely focused on ourselves. Um, But Jesus teaches us something else. Living like Jesus means he calls us to see the world like he does. And that's through the lens of love. Um, It's easy to love someone that looks exactly like me. Um, It's easy to love someone that thinks exactly like me. Uh, But what happens when you're called to love someone radically different from yourself? Um, We may not see, I hope we don't all see a half-beaten man on the side of the road um, that needs help. And if we do, I hope we help him. But what does it look like to love someone who everyone actively avoids? Uh, What does it look like to love someone who doesn't speak English as a first language? What does it look like to love someone who lives and agrees with a different lifestyle than you? 
or someone who you actively dislike. How can you love people like that? Um, and I think this story just is testament to how we can do that. Because um, who passed by the man on the side of the road? It was a priest on his way to work in the city, in the temple in Jerusalem. Surely a man of God would have helped him. A Levite was a very religious person, probably also working in the temple. Um, some translations have the Levite as a temple assistant. Um, surely he would have helped, but they both passed him by. Maybe they were thinking, um, if I touch this body, I'll become unclean, because that's what the law of Moses says. They would have had to stay outside the city walls. It would have hindered their worship. It would have hindered their work. It would have hindered other people's worship. Um, it would have been, it, you know, just too much of a hassle. Or maybe they were scared to help the man. Um, I think when we read the story now, it's easy to always see ourselves as the good guy. Like, I read the story, and I think, oh yeah, I would be the good Samaritan. Um, I would help the man for sure. But I actually have um, a very personal good Samaritan story. Um, and every time I read this story, uh, this memory is seared. Um, it's seared in my memory for sure. But I once was, about 11 years ago, um, I used to drive a truck at this point, my uh, 89 Chevy Silverado. But I was at a gas station. It was the middle of summer, beautiful summer evening. I was gassing up my truck. I had my skateboard in the bed of the truck. I was going to go to the skate park. It was going to be an awesome summer night. And I was just gassing my truck up. And a car pulls up to the pump in front of me. A lady gets out of the car. And I've never seen um, a somebody standing with as much blood on them as I've seen, as I saw on this lady. So she got out of the car. Um, there was like blood coming out of the back of her head, dried in her hair, all over her face. And I remember instantly the Holy Spirit was like, you need to ask this lady um, if she needs help. And I, I remember like right away the excuses start and I was having this inner battle with the Holy Spirit in my head. And I was like, well, God, the first thing I think of is she's probably in an abusive relationship. So um, maybe as a man, she would be scared to talk to me. So I'm not, you know, it, it might be worse for her if I go up and ask. And then the Holy Spirit was like, well, that might be right, but she, she still needs help. She might, um, she might need someone to direct her somewhere or call somebody. And then I was thinking, well, God, like, I mean, 11 years ago, the phones weren't like they were now, but everyone has a phone. Like, she probably already knows where to go. Um, she has a phone. She can call people. Um, I don't need, like, she doesn't need my help on that regard. And then I remember the Holy Spirit being like, you need to, you just need to go up and help her. And then I was in my head like, God, I'm not ready for this, I'm mentally prepared for it. I'm just not ready to have this conversation or be involved in this kind of story tonight. And then I remember she got in her car, drove away. And uh, that is a memory that I'll hold forever. I've cried over it many a time, but I got back in my truck and I remember just praying to God, like, God, I hope you bring in somebody more courageous than me into her life that can help her. Um, but it's easy to always imagine ourselves as the good guy in these Bible stories. But when we're actually called to put our love into action, when it actually costs us something, I think um, we're all faced with a reality that sometimes we don't, we don't want to face. Like, if it costs us something, if it costs our time, our safety, our resources, we might not always be as quick to love as we think we would be. Um, that's why I like to think of this story, the Good Samaritan, in modern terms. 
I imagine it was a pastor, a worship leader, um, that passed by this half-beaten man on the side of the road. And I like to think that maybe they went to church that night and they probably lifted up prayers for this man in small group. They were like, oh, I saw a guy that was almost dead on the side of the road. We should pray for his health. Um, or maybe the pastor preached a message right after passing him by. Both these guys know God's love, but they failed to show it, like I did in the story. Um, they knew his laws and commands, but they, they had knowledge but no action. So what does it look like to live like Jesus? I think it looks like this. Knowledge of Scripture should lead to action, not arrogance. Um, and I know we just went through uh, James, a sermon series on James, so I thought, what better time to bring up a verse, couple verses in James. Um, James chapter 2, uh, verses 15 to 17. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Faith is dead if it has no works. Love is dead if it has no action. Love and compassion should lead to action. You know, maybe this pastor and this worship leader, the priest and the Levite, didn't have time to help the man. Maybe they didn't want to get blood on their fancy church clothes. Regardless, they missed the point of their ministry training. Um, this bleeding man didn't represent an interruption um, to their ministry. Jesus is saying that this bleeding man on the side of the road is their ministry. He's saying the same thing to us today. You know, when Jesus was asked um, what love is, he first showed us what it is not. It's not just kind words, prayers, good vibes. It's not even just volunteering at church. I think if anything, we have more opportunity to love when we leave the church walls. It's in our everyday life. The strangers we pass by on the street, we see at the grocery store, um, our friends, our family, we hang out with outside of church, um, people we see at school or work. That's where we can put love into action. Um, true love overflows from inside you to others around you. And this parable is a warning to Jesus' followers. It was a warning then, and it's a warning now. Um, we serve a God of love, and we're called to mirror that. The love of God and the love for people that God created are intertwined. And we get lost in so much in our culture, in our world, but I don't, I don't think we should ever forget that. The love for God and the love for the people that God created are intertwined. What are we known for? Is it our fashion sense, our athletic ability, our humor? There's nothing wrong with being known for that stuff, but let's be known by what we're called to be known by. And what did Jesus say in John 13, 35? He says, they will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. To live like Jesus, we need to love like Jesus. Um, that's the bottom line. And that's easier said than done. Um, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, he had a speech called, I've been to the mountaintop. Um, this speech, he uh, was speaking it in Memphis, Tennessee on April 3rd, 1968. And this is the day before he was assassinated. Um, 
but he speaks on the Good Samaritan. The whole speech is awesome. If you have 45 minutes, I'd encourage you to listen to it. Um, but I'm going to play an excerpt from it um, that I think sums up the Good Samaritan greatly and should be our encouragement as we go into the week um, this week. In the days of Jesus, it came to be known as the bloody paths. You know, it's possible that the priest and the Levite looked over that man on the ground and wondered if the robbers were still around. Or it's possible that they felt that the man on the ground was merely faking. And he was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to seize them over there, love them there for quick and easy seizure. And so the first question that the priest asked, the first question that the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But then the Good Samaritan came by, and he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? That's the question before you tonight.